Hello, I'm Adam Grattan, and welcome to this, the first pilot episode of The Way We Were podcast. You can join me each and every fortnight as we take a look back at life in Stoke-on-Trent and across North Staffordshire over the past 70 years. Join me as we look at the history and heritage of the area and hear from those people who have lived it. From the mining and pottery industries to the nightlife and communities across North Staffordshire and the potteries. In this episode, we look back at the NHS. From those early days following its birth after World War II, we hear from the people who have worked, lived and breathed the service over the decades. So, make yourself a cuppa, grab a biscuit and sit back and relax for the next 20 minutes as we take time out to remember the way we were. My own journey into learning more about our National Health Service started from just a small idea I was discussing with my wife back in December 2018. It was about a trove of memorabilia and old medical artefacts which had been uncovered during the building work and construction of North Staff site in Newcastle under Lyme. It got me thinking about the rich history of the service and built up a thirst in me to find out more, especially from those who have been at the heart of it. One of those is retired audiologist Neil Ratcliffe, who began his career back in the early 70s. Well, I started in 1971, and uh, after passing my uh, course in Birmingham, I I progressed, and I started off as a student technician, and I progressed to a fully-fledged technician, and those were the probably the best days that I remember, the, uh, the early to late 70s. And we used to, used to do a, uh, not just a hearing tests uh, and fitting hearing aids, we also what we used to call recruitment tests that rule out the possibility of an acoustic aroma. And it was a very interesting time. We saw the development and, and the, come into the behind the hear, hearing aids. So there was a lot of things that uh, led up to the the present day um, hearing aids. So how has it changed um, over the early 70s up until you retired? Well the uh, progression is from the uh, basic analogue behind the ear hearing aids. It developed into uh, what is now um, digital hearing aids and uh, more people more patients prefer to have that clarity of sound so there's uh, more people coming uh, came through to us and wanted to uh, try these devices a lot of people didn't uh, come forward and, and uh, admit the deafness before now because of developments in that they'll come forward and they get a better quality of life from that uh, those devices As a service which, funded by the people, has always been intended to be free to the point of use, one of the greatest duties of that service has been births, and with the maternity block and no staffs seeing around 6,000 a year, it is certainly a big part of the NHS. I had to find out more. I went along to meet retired midwife and pioneer of Aquafit, Sylvia Badley, who gave me an insight into a year's caring for families of North Staffordshire and Stoke-on-Trent. 
So, Sylvie, you started training as a midwife in 1972 and gone on to do various roles in the, the years after. What have been your most memorable times? Oh, my goodness, what a question. There's so many of them. Memorable times. Well, I mean, a general memorable, marvellous thing about midwifery is all the memories I've got of the relationships I had with women and, and children, or the families, really. Because the way we practised then was... Um, based geographically we got to know the families really really well and so we did build up fantastic relationships and of course you know because you had such a good relationship women would tell you most things that were worrying them and troubling them and so because of that you know you felt you could give a really good service because they trusted you there was a lot of trust in you and they returned that with you know so much kindness to you and also great respect which, you know, I think sometimes when you look at the media today, maybe that respect for the nursing and midwifery professions is maybe a lot less than it used to be. So you've seen a lot of change over the decades. You've been involved in the different niches in parts of midwifery and what mm. comes with it. How has it changed since from 1970s up until you know, the 2000s? How long have we got, really? <laughs> um, right. First of all, as I said before, I was geographically based. So that meant I was responsible for a geographical patch in which I, I alone or with a partner, gave all the antenatal care, delivered some of the women, all the postnatal care, and we educated the women too. The, the, the amount of time that we could give women then has changed dramatically. So, for example, if I wanted to see a woman every day for 28 days after she delivered because she got problems and I thought she needed that amount of care, I could and would give it. I could go in two or three times a day if necessary. After you'd had a normal delivery then, you would be seen every day without fail for 10 days, maybe left on the 11th day, discharged on the 12th. And if you'd had a caesarean section, you'd be seen every day for 10 days. You wouldn't be discharged under 14 days. So you had lots of postnatal advice and care. And I think, crucially, you had the time to mother these women. And by mothering, I mean you were able to give them good advice about what it meant in your role change from being someone's partner or mother to being a mother yourself. If you look at now, you know, the amount of postnatal care that's given through all the changes that have taken place is dramatically less. So... Maybe women will get one visit where the baby is weighed soon after delivery um, and maybe they'll have another visit in a clinic and then they'll get discharged. So the amount of care postnatally now is a lot, lot less. And I think that's a huge detriment because this is where women gain confidence and, you know, have the skills to be good parents. And if they're not given that support and the fact that people move around a lot more and local, you know, fa local family is not there for you, I think, you know, women can be very lonely when they've had a baby now because that's amount of support and the mechanisms within the health service are not there to give them that support. We've seen a lot over over the years that have passed since you first got into being a midwife. What's been the most difficult part of that job? Oh, my goodness me. Oh, it's, it's a real dichotomy, midwifery. It's either... The most fantastic, marvellous, fabulous job in the world, which it still is, and it is. But of course, part of that, I think what most people forget is 
most of midwifery is about life. It's about live, healthy babies and you you helping women and families to have a live, healthy baby. But of course, the other side of the coin is that some women don't. Some women have babies that don't make it, that don't, you know, that don't survive the pregnancy journey or die shortly after birth. And of course, as a midwife, you have to help and manage those cases with the woman. So, you know, their trauma becomes your trauma also. also. But of course, you have to manage that professionally. So some of the most difficult things. I mean, you must remember that in 1972, abortions were legal up to 28 weeks. You know, you might throw your hands up yes. an hour now, and indeed we do. But, you know, 28 weeks, a, ba- a baby could be terminated. And, of course, we were part of that process of caring for those women who were induced into labour, who wanted their pregnancies terminating for whatever reason. Plus, we had no scans in the early 70s, or scanning was just being introduced. So we did not have this window into the uterus where you could see what was going on and maybe pick up really early a fetal abnormality. So, of course, you know, the first the woman knew about her baby having, you know, so major multiple abnormalities was literally at the time of the delivery. And, of course, that was the time that the midwife found out about it, too. So you not only had to manage this poor woman and her family who suddenly had a baby that had got lots of problems, you know, connected with its development. You also had to somehow manage yourself professionally. That was difficult. That was quite difficult. Um I mean, you know, look at this. You would often frequently in the 19 early 70s, you would have a baby, uh, a pregnancy terminated because it was discovered maybe a few years later into the 70s when scans were available that your baby had got spina bifida. Only last week, was it, or the week before on the news was this marvellous news that now surgeons are operating on babies in the womb who have spina bifida and they can successfully close those lesions over the spine and those babies will have a much greater chance of having a normal life. Now, look what's happened in, you know, what, 30, 40 years? Those babies were being removed surgically, you know, through an induction of labour, and now they're able to save them. You know, so there's this, I've probably seen many, many things before scanning came into being that midwives today will never see, and thank goodness they don't have to see them. You know, babies who were born with these terrible abnormalities that were completely incompatible with life and which would never have survived if the pregnancy had gone full term. Unfortunately, you know, a a lot of the trauma for women and families has been removed by the use of scans because they don't have to, you know, if if if, if they have an unfortunate diagnosis like that, you know, there are different pathways that they can travel um, to manage that pregnancy but I mean that was a very traumatic part but you know that's part of life and you know death is part of living isn't it and if you're going to do midwifery you know you will be very firmly entrenched in both camps and you will learn how to manage and it's also about managing it not just for yourself you were there to support the woman and her family and basically let's face it you know what does midwife mean and it means being with woman and you really are in the truest sense of the word. You're with her all the way. Over the years, you, you picked up a lot of William experience and knowledge, in which led to you to write and publish your own book, The Health-Related Fitness During Pregnancy, mm. um, and to pioneer aqua, aquanatal. aquanatal. So yes. why did that, you see that as an important thing? 
Well, because, you know, although we've talked, you know, a fair bit about when things go wrong and how difficult and traumatic it could be for a woman, we have to be realistic and realise that for most women, they will be fit and healthy. They'll be going through a very normal life event and they'll have a normal, lovely baby at the end of it. And of course, you know, there was very little um, during those 70s, 80s and 90s about supporting and enhancing the normality of pregnancy and making it a lovely experience. I mean, apart from the usual moans, you know, swollen feet and ankles and you can't (laughs) bend at the waist. But basically, it's a very normal life event. And I don't think we should forget that. And so because of that, that was why we looked at, you know, I mean, water is an ideal medium in which to exercise for anybody because it takes all the stress off the joints, but particularly for pregnancy. And it's such a lovely thing to do, you know, choreograph fitness classes to music in a lovely warm swimming pool. I mean, what could be better? And the complementary therapies, you know, I use my complementary therapy skills massively, particularly during my Sure Start programme years where women who never, you know, who didn't even know what aromatherapy or reflexology was and most certainly could not have afforded it, they were able to access me and they were particularly women with big problems, you know, obstetric, social, emotional problems. Um, I could give them a free complementary therapy treatment and it would be linked in with, you know, support from uh, psychology services as well. And it's so interesting, isn't it? You know, that, that act of touch... You know, once they'd come into me and seen me alone and had a lovely back massage, all the barriers come down and they told me their whole lot of stories, all their problems. You know, they weren't reticent about telling me what was going on in their life and the problems they got. And then we could start to sort and pull in other services that would help them. So, you know, aromatherapy not was only a marvellous thing for them to have to help them relax, but it actually enhanced the service provision because they told me what was going on and that allowed me to draw in other services that could help them. So, you know, there's lots of multifaceted reasons as to why supporting in these ways could help these women. And it did. It was marvellous. Sylvia, thank you very much. It's a pleasure. One area of change which the NHS and its staff have long had to deal with is the change in technology. From the introduction of computers and x-rays to the digitisation of records and how patients are cared for. I spoke to former Normal Staff Royal Infirmary nurse Janet Waring, now Quality Manager for the NHS, and who has written about the impact of technology on healthcare. She told me about her life as a nurse. I started off in the Red Cross, 1970s. Um, as a junior junior cadet. My dad was also in the Red Cross and that gave me the interest, I think, in, in nursing. Mum was very keen that I didn't because she doesn't like hospitals, so she was trying to get me into teaching. I did some voluntary work at Longton Cottage Hospital. just been there today, actually, it's uh, reminiscing. Um, yeah, so at Lanton Cottage I did some voluntary work on the wards at weekends and then I applied, um, I went, went to college, wanted to do a pre-nursing course so I was always, always nursing that I was keen on and um, ended up doing A-levels because I got quite a bit of experience by then and what the course was offering wasn't really uh, right, right for me. Course, yeah, yeah. Um, And then I went 
was accepted in November '82 to start my nurse training, and that was that was based at the North North Staffs and the City General, as was, and moved into the, the nursing home there uh, for three and a half years. With that nursing, we did eight weeks on the wards, and then two weeks um, on holiday, and and one or two weeks in the School of Nursing. So it's very different than it is now. Um, I remember the letter that I got. Sadly, I haven't got a copy, but the letter that I got when when I started nursing um, was was a two-page, actually telling me what shoes I could wear, what colour tights, how what the length of the uniform, <laughs> uh, how we had to tie our hair back. But I think it all led to uh, high standards, really, rather than it being regimented. I think it was. Um, you're proud to wear your uniform, whereas I see people at the hospital now and it's more like an overall. We, uh, when we started, we had um, white linen hats that we had to starch, and that was even in 82. So by the time we'd finished our third year of training, we'd, we'd done um, a ses- session on every specialty in the hospital, except the very, very special specialties if you like yeah. you know uh, where we could choose if we wanted to go there in our third year so what, so what things, were the specialisations you things did? like what I did I did intensive care coronary care and A&E what I liked about A&E was that it was fast turnover it was it required high level of skills because anything could come through the door if you like that was pre-trauma centre, but then we became a trauma centre. So we had, you know, major trauma from all over Staffordshire and Cheshire. You were caring for people it, very intensely. It's a very, very traumatic but personal times in their life. Um, and sometimes it was very short time, but, you know, you were there for them. The downside was the opposite, that you couldn't actually build up a relationship with patients and their relatives sometimes because it was such a transition. Um, but for, the, for that time, uh, that's what I've always liked about the, the, uh, the turnover and the pace and the variety of, of accident and emergency. Uh, well, that's it for this episode of The Way We Were. I hope you've enjoyed our look back at the NHS over the past several decades and the memories of those who have lived and breathed it during that time. In the meantime, while you wait eagerly for the next instalment, be sure to check out more history, nostalgia and memories by visiting the Stoke-on-Trent and North Staffordshire Facebook Nostalgia Group, by going to Stoke-on-Trent Live website and visiting the Way We Were page. And you can find me, Adam Gratton, on Twitter at Adam C. Gratton on Facebook at Adam Gratton or you can check out the pictures on Instagram at Adam C. Gratton. Thanks for listening.